0: So, as mentioned, we are looking at a series which we're calling Every Day. Every Day. And the the reason we're looking at this to begin the year is sometimes church can become something that God never envisaged. Uh, Indeed, across the Western world, church has more become something that people attend every now and then. Now, I've been reading the Bible for a long, long time and I've never seen that definition of church. Church is more a community of people in relationship with Jesus, and they meet together to build one another up so that we can do our mission for Jesus in our community. Right? So, so that's, that's alive, it's vibrant, it's organic, it's, it's in relationship with Jesus every day, and you wouldn't miss getting together together Because as we're living for Him and serving Him, we need the encouragement of each other. We need it in the bigger setting on the weekend. We need it in the smaller setting of connect group. And so we are wired to live lives of significance and purpose with one another in relationship with Jesus every day. Every day. And so it is our heart... as as pastors and leaders of our church, that we would lead all of our church to be connecting with Jesus daily. Because we know that is the foundation of everything. That we are connecting with one another regularly in connect groups and in uh, our church services. That we're waking up in the morning, and, and it's not like this. We're not going, okay, it's Sunday morning, that's a God day. And we go and do church. And then it's Monday morning and it's uh, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, you know, and, and we and we do this other thing that's somehow disconnected from every day living for and walking with Jesus. So this everyday theme is is so important that foundationally as we go into 2020 we're walking with him daily we're knowing him daily we're serving him daily we're waking up with purpose for Jesus daily and that that is how we're living that is that that my brothers and sisters and C3 family and guests that is the most extraordinary life that you can live you know i would rather wake up in the morning with a prayer in my heart that goes god help me, I can't do this without you, right? That's, that's a good prayer. Waking up in mo- the morning and going, I don't know why I'm here. That's something we need never experience. And when we're living for Him daily, then we can know that, that the burden of purpose, but it's a burden we cast upon Him in prayer and live for Him. So we're tackling today this area of, of finances, money, and we're going to look at how that is something that God has given us stewardship over for everyday kingdom purpose. Right? Thought I'd say that right up front. If you're a guest today, and uh, you might have heard someone going, "Oh, the church—they just want your money," and all this sort of stuff. Um, do you know what our heart is? Is that people would know the wisdom of God for handling finances, that they would have more than enough. For themselves and that they can handle their finances with God purposes. And that is an extraordinary thing to step into. But it's not like learn something and then once a year do something. It's that also has regular um, disciplines around doing finances well. So I'm gonna pray, we're gonna then hear a story, and then we will look at this together. Father, we come before you this morning with our hearts open with our minds open, and I pray that you would do everybody here good in their financial world, that everybody would take something home today that empowers them to prosper and that they know the reason why, that there is God purpose in how we handle our finances. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, before I charge on in, uh, did you see our, our uh, worship overseer up there, Dave, doing such an amazing job? Well, that's not the only thing that Dave can do. Dave can encourage us. He can bring a story. And today, he's going to uh, bring us a story about every day and money uh, just to tell us something about he's put into practice in his world, which has made a big change. So let's put our hands together and welcome Dave as he comes to bring a story to us.
1: Thank you. Uh, So, yeah, I was thinking about what to share, and um, uh, from the outside, I I, I might not seem like the best person to share this kind of thing, because, uh, you know, you look at my life, and I'm a 34-year-old man, um, divorced and living with his parents, so it doesn't really seem like a great sort of uh, role model, but um, the thing is that, uh, you know, some things happen in life that you can't always foresee, and that's kind of been a little bit for me, Uh, you know, I never planned to get a divorce, but that happened. And coming out of that divorce, um, basically, I was, I was walking out with a whole bunch of debt um, and had to work through and, and pay all that off. Um, and at the same time, I, my finances changed as well, uh, where I was I was actually earning less money for a period of time. Um, and I was, I was very fortunate that my parents, uh, that I could just live with my parents. It was just something I could do. It made sense. Um, so I did that and really knuckled down and decided that I didn't want... Uh, to, to be attached to debt anymore. I wanted to be um, debt-free. Because I hadn't been debt-free since before I'd got married, which was eight years. So um, that was, you know, something I wanted to achieve. So just through diligence, through deciding that that was important, that was a priority, um, deciding I'm not going to um, spend money on that and, and taking daily decisions on, on what, what was important and what wasn't. Um, and so now you know 2 years later i'm i'm still living with my parents but i'm in a much better position i have an actual savings account with real savings money in it actually looking to buy a house in you know maybe 2 years or something like that you know got a goal got a plan it all comes to it all comes to happen when you uh when you set your mind to it you decide what's important and you know for me like going back to the 34 34 year old you know living with his parents there's been times where i've thought maybe I should move out, you know, maybe I should, you know, just because that seems like the, the social thing to do. But, um, but I've decided, no, that's not that important. You know, I'm, I'm not going to live by that sort of, you know, that what people would see as, as success or whatever and just do what's important for me for the long term.
0: Thank you, Dave. <clears throat> Some pretty key things there I chose every day discipline every day. This was the goal, and there were some things that meant I had to say no to, and some other things that I would say yes to. There is a key in that. Thank you for telling us your story, Dave. That's awesome. So, <clears throat> foundation scripture uh, for this, this is not just applicable to today, but for all that we've been looking at, is in John fifteen five, where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, And I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is like the foundation for everything. We've looked at meaning. We've looked at happiness over the last few weeks. Today we're looking at money. But if I'm to go to a foundation of foundations, the foundation is remaining in Christ. And remaining isn't just um, every couple of months putting in a bit of a showing at church, remaining is, Jesus, I'm going to hang out with you every day. Remaining, it's got that sense of, I'm in. I remain in you, and you in me. And that is a foundation for fruitfulness. So I just want to say that right up front. The foundation of all foundations is that we have a relationship with with Jesus. And that is something which is not about trying to please him through doing religious things. It's actually hanging out with him and talking with him regularly. Okay. So there's the foundation. And now we're beginning to look at that area of finances. Uh, uh, Money is really important as a statement of the bleeding obvious. It's a really big deal. And it is one of those things where God wants us to be fruitful. Sometimes people, um, I think one of the most crazy things I've ever heard is people saying money is the root of all evil. Have you ever heard that one? Money is the root of all evil. And people say it like it's in the Bible. It's not. It says love of money (laughs) is the root of all evil. Money is not evil. In my hands it's not. I'm going to use it for good. It's actually amoral. So it can be used for bad, it can be used for good. But with what we are doing on this planet, with the, the, uh, the purpose and the mission God has given us together, for the life of purpose to bring the light of Jesus into people's lives, those resources are a way that we can bring blessing and goodness into the lives of others. And so money is seen in the Bible as being something which is important and is a big deal. I've got a quote for you. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 on faith, and more than 2,000 verses on money. In fact, 15% of everything Jesus ever taught was on the topic of money and possessions, more than his teaching on heaven and hell combined. So I'm just paying attention to that thinking, God reckons that this is important enough to deal with it a fair bit in His eternal Word. So I'm going to look at what the Word says about finances so that I can on purpose prosper and bless people and be part of God's mission with the finances He's put into my hands. Now, one of the earliest things that Amanda and I did when we were married is uh, we heard about at church, this is when we were, uh, this is even before we were at uh, Oxford Falls, our location was at Brookvale, in the warehouse at Brookvale. And we heard that Saturday, all day, there was going to be a seminar called My Money Matters by Malcolm McGregor. (laughs) And we're, we're newly married, we don't have a lot of money, sort of living on the smell of a student, and I had a small scholarship. And so we were sort of living on the smell of an oily rag, and we went to this all... Now, Saturdays are precious. But we just went to this all-day seminar, and Malcolm McGregor pulled out his book and notebook, and we were there, and we were learning things like good debt and bad debt, budgeting, not going guarantor for someone to get a loan, uh, all these Bible things and and uh, 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 principles that set you up to have the right attitude for finances. And I've got to tell you, that day, thirty something years ago, taught us something which has had a return on that investment. I don't know if I was to if I was to put that in terms of of, of Um, income per hour, it would be mind-boggling in thousands upon thousands of dollars per hour of what we learnt in wisdom for handling finances. So today I'm going practical unapologetically because I want to impart wisdom and faith for finance. And when we finish up today, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of resources because if I wet your appetite, I don't want you to then go, well, who do I talk to and what do I do? I'm giving you the resources today to look at it. Foundation, attitude, I learned this from Malcolm McGregor, is if we want to handle money well, we've got to work out whose it is. And there is this amazing Bible principle called stewardship. And stewardship is where you handle something that actually belongs to someone else for their purposes. And here's some verses that tell us pretty clearly who it all belongs to. Psalm 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Haggai 2.8, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. Colossians 1.16, Colossians 1.16, All things have been created through Him and for Him. Whose is it? It's His. Including ourselves, we are all His. And so when we understand that it's His, then it just changes completely our attitude towards handling money. For a start, we would want to honor Him with the way we handle it. You wouldn't handle it dishonestly you wouldn't handle it wastefully. You'd you'd be thinking, this belongs to God and I want to honor Him with how I handle these finances. You'd want to handle it in ways that are important to Him, like building the church, like being generous for people so they can see Christ in us, like handling it well for our family and our kids, and our kids' kids. And we are also, when the money's not ours, we're released from all of the negatives that come with owning money. If it's not mine, I don't need to worry about it. If it's not mine, I don't need to stress out about it. If it's not mine, I don't need to let it consume me or be greedy for it. Or worse, if I don't own it, do you know what's really awesome? It can't own me. And that is the worst. Money's fine in our hands. But you don't want money to be dictating to us how we live. And that's where a whole lot of our world is living right now. So first attitudinal thing is it's His. The second is it's for His purpose. God is doing something extraordinary in the earth. He has been doing something extraordinary in the earth ever since people fell away from Him, ever since there was sin on the earth, and that sin caused a chasm between God and people, God has been working out a rescue plan. Now, that rescue plan really beefed up when Jesus came to the earth. He was the center point of the rescue plan. He was the only one that could cause that rescue plan to come to pass. He was the one who came to die, to take away our sins so we could be in relationship with God. And then when he went to be with the Father in heaven, when he rose again, he passed the baton on to another crew. Do you know who he passed the baton on to? The church. So the the whole big picture rescue plan has been given to us. That's that's the purpose. We can get sidetracked with all sorts of purposes But the Bible purpose, the main one, if we're really just going, God, why am I on this planet? It's to be a part of his rescue plan for the earth. And if we earth that for us, it's to be a part of his rescue plan for Sydney. And we earth it a little bit further, it's to be a part of his rescue plan for Sydney by reaching Penrith and surrounding communities for Christ. So therefore, we're not just stewards of his money, we're stewards of... Of his money for his purpose, and that's that the church might bring salvation right across this planet. Is that not extraordinary? So, the amazing thing here, actually, I I did um, miss a quote a little bit earlier on from John Wesley. If we understand that we are stewards of God's money, then John Wesley, in the early seventeen hundreds, a Um, Anglican guy who brought renewal to the Anglican um, church through Methodism. He said, it's not how much money will I give to God, but how much of God's money I will keep for myself. (laughs) Okay, that's wild, isn't it? But it is, that's the sort of thing you think when you go, this is God's money. And then with regard to purpose, listen to what he said with this. Having first gained all you can, and secondly, saved all you can, then give all you can. Isn't that just extraordinary? So, is this something that we see in the New Testament, in the uh, letters that were written to the churches then, those who had been given stewardship of the resources And the purpose and the mission that God has for the earth. Well, let's have a look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9 8 says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Wow. Now, Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth, and in chapter 8 and 9, the whole of chapter 8 and 9, he's, t- he's saying to them, guys, the church over in Jerusalem's doing it tough. I want you to give, and to give generously to help them. And as a part of his encouragement to do that, he's saying, you know what? When you give, you'll have all you need. When when you align the way you handle finances with God purposes, you'll have all you need. Indeed, you'll have enough so that at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. So these are two foundational attitudes. The attitude of stewardship is that it all belongs to Him. And the attitude that arises out of stewardship is Well, God's got a purpose. I'm living in the middle of it. So in my stewardship, I'm going to align my handling of finances so that it is aligned with His purpose. Building the church, bringing the gospel, being a blessing to people. Awesome. All right. So they're our foundational attitudes. Nitty-gritty, what do we do if we are going to prosper on purpose, everyday money handling finances, and seeing God's blessing come upon us so that we are able to see the dreams that we've got come to pass and be a blessing to others. The foundation that Amanda and I have discovered, it's in the Word, is this foundation of tithing and giving. I remember when we first heard about tithing. Uh, We weren't yet married. Amanda would have been about uh, 20 I was 22. We were at St. Albans Anglican Church at French's Forest. And the Reverend Len Straw was teaching us about tithing. And he was teaching us about this thing. He said, look, this is a faith principle. In the Old Testament, it was included in the law, but it actually started before the law with a man of faith called Abraham. Indeed, 400 years before the law came into being... Abraham honoured God by giving him the first tenth. That's what tithe means, in case you're wondering. You know, sometimes people say, what is tithy anyway, you know? It's, it's, it's a tenth that we say, God, it's all yours. You gave this to me, and in my honouring you with what you put in my hand, I'm going to just take the first tenth and send it in your direction. So we're sitting under this teaching. Uh, the Reverend Len shared this scripture from Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honour the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So that's like an Old Testament agricultural society way of saying you'll have more than enough. So he's sharing this. Now Amanda and I are engaged, but we're not yet married. And we, we, you know, we always want to be not just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. So we, we looked at this, and Amanda was working uh, at the time uh, for a, 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 an entrepreneurial doctor called Jeffrey Edelston <laughs> in a weight loss center. All right. I was still full-time doing my master's, and I had a, a scholarship. All right, so that you sort of covered your books and things like that. So, and, and, but we said, okay, what, what are we going to do? And we just decided, all right, let's, let's put this into practice and dive in. And so that was in 1985. And we've been doing it ever since. And we've had times of plenty and we've had times of not a lot. And this has just been one of those things that's been a predetermined everyday decision. We just go, that's God's, we designate it there, that's a foundation, we're honoring Him with our tithe, we're not doing it because of the law, because we're not under the law, this is a faith step we're taking, and we're honoring God with our tithe. And so that's just been something which has been every day, every week, in fact, These days, we've just done it as a direct deposit, but we still like to, when it's time for tithe and offering, we we grab this and we write, already given online, because we just want to put something in. And that's been something that's a part of our journey, our foundation for years. So tithing, tithing that first tenth, and it's a regular thing, it's an understanding that it all belongs to God, so it's a stewardship and a foundation of our finances. But tithing and giving, all right. A steward of God's wealth also gives beyond tithing It looks at ways that they can give to build God's kingdom on earth. 2 Corinthians 9.11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Remember, it's more than enough. More than enough, why? So that we can be generous. And what will our generosity result in? Thanksgiving to God. Let me just tell you a few things that we as a church family have done. You know our vision builders that we do every year. So if you're a guest or have recently joined our church uh, in about... June, we, or late May, we start to talk about vision builders, which is a way that we give towards being a blessing to people. We, last year, helped 406 families in East Africa start a small business, create income, so that 2,120 dependents got clothes to go to school, school books, were able to get good food, clothes that they could hold their head up high in their community. And I've got to tell you, because I regularly go to East Africa, that your giving above the tithe to vision builders resulted in thanksgiving to God. It resulted in thanksgiving to God. More recently, our church gave over $40,000 to help communities affected by fire. We gave, and I don't know the exact amount, but it was tens of thousands to drought relief. Now, that was just stuff where we went to the church and, and we said, look, we know you're tithing already. We know you're giving. Do you want to just give something today? $40,000. dollars And it's resulting in thanksgiving to God. The foundations of tithing and giving are a foundation that shows that we've worked out that it's His and we're using it for His purpose. But let's take a step beyond tithing and giving because most messages around giving in Pentecostal churches stop there. And God can bless our finances, but if we don't have the smarts around stewardship, it can slip through our fingers. So I'm going to use a couple of words here that might be words that you don't like too much, but we need to know about them. They are budgeting and debt. Budgeting. Who who wants to say, come on, Pat, go there. Go there. Budgeting and debt. All right. Now... We invited somebody at the beginning of last year to come to our church. His name's Paul DeJong, and Paul DeJong is a pastor of a church over in uh, Auckland, and he shared with us these principles for handling finance as well. He said, uh, for him, a foundation is that 10% is what he tithes. Then, and this is something that he worked to over time, is he wanted to be 10% giving on top of that, but sometimes it's like, and, and I know there's someone here today going, I've never heard about this, Pat, and, and I'm just struggling to make ends meet. It, little by little, right? Little by little, right? You don't have to just go, whoa, I've never heard this before. How do I? It's just little by little. And Paul said he started with 2% for giving. And then he works it out so that he can do 10% where he saves and then invests. Now, working to earn money is good. But what about when you get a place where your money works for you? And when you're asleep, it's working. And on Saturday, it's working. But it requires us to be making some decisions where we're saying, I'm not sending my money there. I'm going to send it to savings because I've got a long-term plan that I'm going to work towards, much like what Dave shared with us earlier. And then 70%, we get to spend, and as someone who's following the Lord, we're uh, working out the best way to spend. That's for our family. It's for the desires of our heart and the things that we're doing in serving Him. Luke 16, 10 to 12. Whoever can be trusted with very little... Can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, isn't that amazing? Who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, because it's God's, who will give you property of your own? I find that astounding that God is saying, I will give you the the riches that last forever depending on how I see you handle money. (laughs) Wow. And it's because there is a lot that is tied up in the way that we handle money because it will show whether we've worked out if it's His and if we're handling it for His glory. So what are some of these things we should be doing? Um, Who here really loves budgeting? Okay, I saw a few hands. And maybe because they've done it for long enough to work out the blessing of doing it. Budgeting, what is it? It's this. Budgeting is deciding where your money is going to go rather than trying to work out where it went. (laughs) Has anyone done that? I'm two days into the week, where did it go? But budgeting is when you sit down maybe with someone who's good at budgeting to help, and you work out your priorities, the important things, the things that are our responsibilities, and you work out where it's going to go and how you're going to get it there. Budgeting is thinking ahead about payments and saving ahead of time rather than being taken by surprise and having to go into debt to pay them. I think I'd just help someone, right? That will save thousands of dollars and a whole lot of stress and heartache. The insurance bill, tax, school fees, the things that they're not every week or fortnight or month, but those things sneak up and then suddenly they're there. And if we haven't thought about them, it's like you don't even want to open the letter. It's a la, 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 la. You know, you go, go to the, 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 uh, the, the post box and you, you pull that and it's one of those letters that's got a little window. They're never good, the letters with little windows. You don't, you don't like those ones. But imagine if you've sat down and said, okay, car insurance is by then. So every fortnight, that equals that. That immediately goes into that account. Uh, There's the bill from NRMA, Amy or whomever. It's a little window bill. Bring it on. I'm ready. And you're ready to pay it. Budgeting simply puts the money in the right place so that you're in control. You've got a handle on your money. It doesn't have a handle on you. So to make a budget... I'm doing a fly over here. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. I won't be doing this for too long. You sum up all of your incomes from different sources. If you're married and your spouse is working, you put them together. Okay, here's a little aside that is worth me mentioning. If you're married, don't have his money and her money. Have our money. It will save you a whole lot of grief because as... When we're married and living together for a purpose to serve God, then the money is a tool to help us live that purpose. And so you work out your budget together. And if you do it together and in agreement, you'll pull it off. So you sum your incomes from different sources. Then you list all your expenses. The weekly ones. The fortnightly ones. The monthly ones, the irregular ones, and you even do one for the ones you're not expecting. And then when you're really brave, you compare all of your income and all of your expenses. And if your income is bigger, you go, mm hmm, oh yeah, I did it, my income's bigger. And you do a little jig because you are unusual. For most of us, when we do a budget, we go, what the heck? It felt stressful. It felt difficult. Here it is, black and white. Why? I might be living above my means. I might be sending some money in a direction that I shouldn't be right now because it should be going in that direction. And it becomes clear. And so then you start to think about, what can I do about income? Is there possibilities of increasing it? What can I do about expenses? Are some of these ones that I can say, well, that's not for now. This is where something really comes in. It's called delayed gratification. Because there's a whole lot of things being marketed to us and they say things, you're a champion if you've got one of these. You're a winner if you've got one of these. For the person who wants to be successful, you need whatever this is. And so marketers are not stupid They know humanity, and they will be pressing buttons to try and get us to buy stuff that we don't actually need. We can delay it. So our ability to delay gratification, I won't get one of them until I've saved for it, or I won't get one of them until I've looked after this thing which is more important right now. Our ability to do that is everything. It's everything. Our dreams, will come to pass if we can delay gratification. They will not if we can't. Indeed, I would say maybe just shelve your dreams because they're going to hurt too much. All right, some pastoral advice. There's a better way to do it though, and that is to have someone work your budget with you, hold you to account so you can delay gratifications on the on the things you don't need now, and you can spend on the things that are important and save towards the things that are important and then one day you'll go, I did it with the help of God. And that is an awesome, awesome thing. So you do your budget. You see where it comes out. You look at the way you can increase income, decrease outgoing, and um, you've got to be disciplined. You know, that little, that little uh, account I said where you're saving for that thing that's coming up in seven months' time, don't look at it and go... I've got enough money there for a thingamajig. Don't touch it. It's designated. You're being a wise steward. This is for that. Second and final bit of advice I'll go into because it's a really big one. So budgeting. Secondly, don't go into debt, comma, on depreciating items. Right, There is good debt, but there's also bad debt. Sadly, a whole lot of Australians are in bad debt. Australians have the second highest household debt in the world. 37% are struggling to pay off debt. 50% of millennials identify debt as a problem for them personally. If you borrow $25,000 for a car and pay a 10% interest over five years. Over those five years, there's an extra $7,000 that you're paying for that car. Okay, here's the other kicker. Let's say you bought it for 25. Do you know what it's worth after five years? 10,000. So you've just spent $31,000. Actually, it's closer to 32, and your asset's worth 10. That's what I call a surefire debt, a, a, a surefire strategy for uh, wealth reduction, because it's debt on a depreciating item. How much better to have delayed gratification? Maybe it's not the dream car. Amanda and I had a Ford Laser, and we called it DG. Delayed gratification. <laughs> it had velour over the seats. And it went okay. It just didn't look sharp. But old DG got us around while we saved and got us to a point where we were able to purchase a nice-looking little second-hand car that did the job better than DG. And we weren't paying hand over fist on interest. So the debt thing, if it's appreciating that's where maybe you go into debt to make an investment into property, right? And so that's something that can be wise stewardship. You use the bank's money to make more money, right? With wisdom and preparation, that's cool. But, but even to do that, there's got to be a whole lot of DG going on because they're not going to look at you unless you've saved a deposit. And that's one of those things that's maybe I'm not eating out as much or whatever it might be to get there. So, how do I put this stuff into practice and when do I begin? When when do I start with that? Is it it when the money's really flowing? Is it when I get another job where it's all all happening? I want to challenge you because I've got a pastor's heart for you. And like Tim and Jody, we just ache to see people doing well in life. I want to challenge you. Do it now. Now's the time to start. Now's the time to start tithing and giving. Even if the percentages are down and you're working towards it, just go for it. Now's the time to do a budget. I don't know how to do one of those things. Well, I'm going to give you some resources. Now's the time to just sort out that debt, right? Some debts, they look like it's an immovable object. Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it hit it, hit it, one year, whew, smaller, let's go, 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 and you just keep doing, and then eventually you clear that thing, and you celebrate, and then you're not retiring debt, you're saving, 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 what about that new car, and all the other guys at work have got new cars, oh no, DG's just fine, saving, 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 Then you've got a deposit, and then you've got the ability to purchase an appreciating item, And then suddenly, as it grows in its value, you're building wealth. And there is the ability to give in every situation where God moves you to be generous and to give. Some of the resources to look at, we throw them on the screen. Has anybody read The Barefoot Investor? All right. He's not someone who's a Christian, but there's so much wisdom in that. Everybody who I know who has read it has said... That helped a lot. God, money, and me. Um, if you're a Connect leader, it's on the Connect part of our website, and you can run that as a Connect group. Or you can just order God, money, and me. Really awesome. What about these online resources? Mybudget.com. Have we got that one up there, guys? Yeah. Um, okay, you can write this one down. Mybudget.com. Money smart. And debt advice, Australia.com. There might be someone here who's going, Pat, I can't see my way out. With help, there is a way. With finances, sticking our head in the sand never makes it better. But a courageous discussion, even where we have to say to someone, you know what? I've kind of got myself into a hole here and I'm owning that. I've had those discussions. There's a little bit of a gulp hard. I've talked to people because I didn't know what to do. And a part of it was I had to look like I'm not the altogether guy who can do it all myself. And I've had those discussions and then people are able to see ways for you that you can work towards and to hold you to account with it. And then there's all those apps that can help. So ladies and gentlemen, fair bit in this one today, super practical, but we want you to do awesomely with your finances. Let me pray and then I'll hand back over to Liv. Father, we thank you that you have put in your word life and truth that we might do well with our finances. Thank you, Lord, that there is knowledge in your word, that there are principles in your your word, that your heart for us is that we would have more than enough for ourselves and to be able to be a blessing on every occasion. And, Father, no matter where people are today, I thank you that they can take another step in 2020, that there can be an every day moving towards a new goal, of growing, of finances increasing to your glory. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: Incredible. Why don't we thank Pastor Pat for such a a message full of wisdom. I know we can all take something away from that. Who's um, inspired to go home and make a budget if you haven't already? Get that spreadsheet out. Incredible. Um, well, um, it, it would be an awful shame, I reckon, if we if we finished a, a morning like this morning without giving you an opportunity um, to draw near to God, if you need to do so. You know, I love um, Pastor Pat's message. It started with the verse, "Remain in Him, remain in Me." And isn't it true that when we remain in God all of our life, it just seems to begin to work, isn't it? When we remain in Him things just start to come together. And so um, it would be, uh, yeah, we we definitely want to give you that opportunity today if you um, are not walking with Jesus or you haven't heard of Him before or maybe over time you've started to drift away, we would love to just give you that opportunity today to draw back to Him. Why don't we just close our eyes this morning? You know, maybe you haven't heard of Jesus before. Maybe um, this is the first time in this message you've heard of remaining in God. Maybe you used to walk with Him, but you drifted away. Or you know what, maybe um, at the you, you know, life is good, but you're a little confused as to what might happen, you know, um, after life on earth. You know what, I'm going to invite you this morning to pray this prayer. It's just a simple prayer of us accepting Jesus into our life, drawing near to Him, getting our life right with God. You know, it's the the number one thing we can do. The number one thing we can do is be right with Jesus and walk with Him. So if that's you this morning, we're just going to pray a simple prayer together. And I'd just love for you to um, lift your hand in a moment just so I can see who we're praying for. You know, there's no shame in this. There's no embarrassment about this. It's just a moment with you and God. And so if that's you this morning, why don't you just quickly lift your hand just so I can see who I'm praying for this morning. And we're going to share this moment together. And we're just going to draw near to God. You know, this is something that all of us need to do at one point in our life. And whether it's the first time or the fifth time that you've done this, that's okay. We just want to make sure this morning that before we leave this place, that our heart is at rest in Jesus. Incredible. So good. So if that's you this morning, let's just lift up our hand amazing before we pray this prayer together. Why don't you repeat after me? Let's all say this together just to support one another and also to put your own heart at rest. Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins and rose to life again. I'm sorry for my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Saviour. Help me to follow you. Amen.